Morning, everyone. Um, when I say my preach was preached, I really do mean it. Um, and I am just convinced that God wants to come and awaken in us this morning intimacy. Amen. Not as a, you're not good enough, nothing like that, please don't hear that, but because he loves us. I am convinced that God right now wants to come and just breathe afresh upon us. So can I just invite you, whether you want to sit where you are, whether you want to lift your hands, shut your eyes, kneel, lie, stand, whatever, let's just right now um, not move on from his presence, but we just want to say, King Jesus, we love you. We are so thankful, as we've heard, that, that you made a new and living way that we can come into the presence of our Heavenly Father as sons and daughters, and that you have poured your Spirit out upon us, your Spirit who comes and made his home in our hearts in our lives and fills us with the knowledge of the glory of God. And we welcome you. And we say you're precious to us. We, we sometimes feel like the, the man who found a pearl of great price in a field. And like we, we sometimes have those moments, Jesus, where we, we stumble over you again and what your heart is towards us. And we are amazed and we want to we want to chuck it all in for you again. And I just pray this morning as we just open your word briefly, I pray that you would breathe on our hearts, each and every one of us, fresh passion to know you and to be known by you, to delight in you and to magnify your name. I pray even this morning that you would break off of us the, the temptation that in our context we are so often driven to is that we need to impress you by what we do. And we just we refuse that way of thinking this morning and we say, Lord, we choose to come as we've heard because you love us. Because you've told us that. Because your word tells us that. Because the cross of Christ tells us that you love us. And so we come to you again. And I just want to pray for each and every person in this room that in this moment, regardless of where they are on their journey of faith, that they would hear the, the shout that has echoed and reverberated throughout all eternity, as, as Paul shared a moment ago, that before even the beginning, you loved us. And I pray that each heart would encounter that again, each life here would encounter again those words of affirmation. This is my son, this is my daughter in whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. Because we need to hear your voice this morning. Oh Lord, our lives are thrown all over the place by circumstance and situation and we thank you that you are the rock on which we stand. And so come, I just pray in these moments, fill me with your spirit, help us to... Help, I want to pray that, Lord, I, that what you're doing and what you've already been saying to us wouldn't be lost right now, but would be um, imprinted on us, pressed in. Lord, not just that you're showing something to us, but that you would press it into our very inner being, that, that our inner life, our inner world would, would, would have the, that embossed seal again of the love of God, for the love of God's sake. And so we welcome you by your spirit. Heavenly Father, we, we come as children, nothing else. And just to sit in your presence. 
be magnified, be exalted, be hallowed. Amen. Michael Reeves, who's a theologian, um, author, he wrote a fantastic small book, which if you haven't read it, can I, another book to endorse to you called The Good God, which is a superb short book, Um, probably life-changing, I would say, if you allow it to. Um, And he said this about prayer, in a short book he wrote on prayer, um, he said this, we need to think about what exactly prayer is. This may sound silly, but I think confusion over it is a real cause of much of our difficulty with it. The reality is that it's very easy to think and speak about prayer as if it's some abstract exercise. One of those things Christians do. And so we think, how can I get better at it? I I reckon um, that is probably fairly true of most of our way of thinking about prayer. How do I get better at prayer? And there's many tools, and, and we'll, we'll, over the coming weeks, as we um, go into this series, Awaken, where we're looking at prayer, we will unpack and hopefully provide many tools that actually are helpful resources to ignite and sustain us and fuel us in prayer, um, to help teach us in prayer. In fact, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer because we need to learn to pray. You, you are born a baby when you come to Christ. You're born a baby when you're born physically, but when you come to Christ, you're born a baby, and we have to grow in knowledge of God, and we have to grow in um, disciplines of faith, if you like. And we have to learn what it is to mature in faith, and, and nobody expects you, Jesus doesn't expect you to know how to pray, but babies sure will know how to cry out to their parents, and so it's fine to have to learn and grow in understanding of, okay, what is prayer? What's the different facets of it? What, what does it mean? What does it do? How does it work? How should it feature in my life? But it's fine to come as a baby and say, boy, I don't even really know what prayer is. I don't even pray. It's, that's fine when you come to faith. But we are called to grow in our love and knowledge of God. And that's why... Jesus this morning is saying to us, come on, I want to awaken intimacy in you. I hope you heard that this morning. That's literally what I have on my notes, awaken part two, intimacy. I'm not even making this up. God has got our attention. And therefore, it's something he wants to do among us. So that we go from simply saying, how do I do this thing called prayer to God, I want to be with you And that's the thrust of what I want to say this morning. So what is prayer? John Calvin, in his institutes, said this, prayer is the chief exercise of faith. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus, the way that that faith is exercised, he is saying, is in the context of prayer. However, Pete Gregg in Dirty Glory says this, there are Two blockages to prayer. One is that people doubt that God really likes them. Let me personalize that. Maybe for you a blockage in prayer this morning is that you doubt that God actually likes you. And likes to spend time with you. And likes to hear your voice. 
And secondly, the second blockage is that we fail to grasp his holiness. The disciples had spent time with Jesus, and I am convinced that Jesus prayed in such a way to his heavenly Father that that it caused his disciples to come to him one day and say that we haven't really seen anybody else that prays like you, that talks to, to, to the heavenly Father like you do. Jesus, teach us to pray. What a childlike question. Would you teach us how to do this? Would you, would you teach us? You, you seem to do it so easily and so naturally. Would you teach us? Lord, teach us to pray, they said. And Jesus was more than happy to say, I want to show you how to spend life with the Father. You see, I, I hear what was being said in that um, when Paul was talking earlier, not the Apostle Paul right now, but our Apostle Paul, um, what, when Paul was speaking earlier and he said, we must thank God for the cross. And we've got to be careful that we don't diminish it. But the cross has made a new and living way into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of your Heavenly Father. That now you can move and live and have your being in him. And Jesus has opened a way. And so we, we eternally are thankful to King Jesus who, who is Lord and Savior by being tortured and crucified upon a cross. Dying the death that we deserved because in him we come through him through the cross. And in him a new and living way has been made that we can come to the Father as children. And so the disciples knew they wanted to learn Something from Jesus that they had seen in him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them and started by saying this, when you come to pray, hey, here's how you start. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. You start by recognizing that you come to the God who is holy, 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 and you get to call him Father. I mean, I sometimes, I think, I read this and I just think, well, yes, that's what I do. And Jesus is unpacking, when you come to pray, just be bold over again and again and again that whatever you are walking in life, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Father, and be astonished that you get to come. I mean, it's outrageous when you think about it. I dare tell you what's gone through my mind this week. I don't Think what's gone through some of your minds or some of the things I've done or some of the things you've done. And yet we get to come as children saying, Father. I mean, this is the good news of the gospel. Is that those who are far off in Christ, well, he's become your righteousness. That you don't actually have to do anything other than love him and receive him and worship and adore him. And that's what's happened in the gospel. It's not something to just know and seek understanding and head knowledge on. Boy, we have plenty of that. Theology isn't something you just simply stack up on your shelves at home in things called books, and every now and again you get them out and dust them off and go, that's a very good point. If only they all knew that back at Gateway West. (laughs) It's something you get to embrace and you say, wow, God, this is what you think of me. This is how you love me. This is the story you've told that you're redeeming me to your self and knowing that when Jesus said to the disciples our father in heaven is the starting place of not just your prayer life but all that you are you either get God as father or you get him as an one who will one day say to you I've prepared a place for you go away from me and that is a frightening 
place to be. But he is not like that in his nature. In his nature, he is good and loving. And he is like the father who is looking for lost sons and daughters and is waiting, anticipating, looking, hooking up his skirt, bearing his legs, running in front for his own humiliation in front of others towards you to embrace you because he likes you and wants to be with you and wants to hear your voice and wants to just spend time with you where you get to just be in his presence and if you want to you just lie down or 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 sit back kick back relax prayer doesn't have to just be this it can just be god i just want to be with you which is why we're doing tuesday evening because as brother lawrence said back in the 17th century we need to be those who practice the presence of god and we need to make time And we need to make space. And to be quite honest, we need to make more time and more space in these contexts when we come together. Probably, if I'm being honest, less of this right now. You don't need to hallelujah and high five each other. But I'm telling you, the preaching was done this morning. And the question is, are our hearts moved because of that? Do we just hear that and go, well, isn't that nice? Or does it undo us and go, God, this is what you long for me? And for each one of us here. And I feel this is what God is wanting to awaken. He wants to awaken in us hearts that respond to him. And hearts that go, wow, you mean it. It's not just in the club. It's in relationship. Knowing for Jesus, knowing his father was central to his life, to his prayer life. And Jesus wasn't just praying simply to model what the perfect human life looked like. Rather, he was showing us who he eternally is and was. He was the Son of God, eternally. We've, we've heard it this morning. Eternally Son, begotten. And he eternally is the Son of God, and he eternally has prayed to the Father. And right now, Jesus is interceding. Intercession is one form of prayer. And the Bible tells us that right this moment, Jesus is interceding for you and I and us. He's praying right now. He has eternally prayed. He's eternally gone to the Father. He's eternally had that communion with his heavenly Father. And even right now, he is communing with the Father, praying and interceding for you. Isn't that astounding? John 5, John tells us, very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. And yet, we have the audacity to think that we can do something sometimes. And therefore, prayer is simply learning to enjoy what Jesus has eternally enjoyed. Prayer is learning to enjoy what Jesus has eternally enjoyed. Albert Muller An American uh, past theologian said this, there is no true intimacy with God without prayer. And you see, God desires, we've just heard it, God desires intimacy. He didn't save you for religion, and I hope you know that. He didn't save you. He has good works planned for you, but not that you can impress him with those things, or not that that's, Now you're in, you better get to work. But because he loves you and he wants to let you in on what he's doing. 
because you've tasted and seen his goodness and, you, and, he, and he wants that to overflow in your life in such a way that it, that it just spills out and you cannot help but do good things that God has prepared because you've encountered his love towards you, that the works he's prepared are a response to his love, not something you do because you feel guilty. And for most of us, it is that way around. We feel guilty. God, I had therefore better. I've just, um, over the last couple of months, begun learning the guitar, much to Emma's annoyance. And now to my annoyance, Jude has learned, is learning the guitar, and so I have to fight him for it. Um, and I tell you, if you have not learned something new in a long time, learn something new. Just go through the experience of learning, the discipline of, of making your fingers do things that they have never done before and, and have to move independently. And, it's, and just the learning process on its own is fascinating. The up and downness, the moments of success where you're a rock star in your head and the moments where it's, have I even tried this before? That's fascinating. But what's even more enjoyable than just the fascination of learning is that there's just times when I pick up the guitar and I start to um, play songs and I find myself expressing worship in a new way because there's a creativity to it that I didn't have before. And I'm not claiming I'm good. That isn't the point. But God doesn't care that I'm not good right now. But it's unleashing in me a new desire for worship and to learn refrains and to learn chords that, and to learn new chords so I can sing songs that I'm desperate to get to. And there's something in just picking up the guitar and sometimes I feel guilty because I should probably be helping a bit more rather than hours of just guitar playing. But God's happy with it, so that's my excuse anyway. Um, I only said that so if Emma moans to you about my lack of helpfulness at the moment, you know why. Um, but God desires times like that. It's not about guitar at all. But just times where we want to be with him and where, where worship is unleashed and the desire to enjoy him is unleashed within us because you were not saved for religion but for relationship, as was said this morning. And that is literally on my notes at the bottom here. And we've heard it this morning. You were not saved for religion but for relationship. And yet... For so many of us, we orchestrate our lives that probably says something very different. And we find relationship incredibly difficult. And all the doing and working, if we're not careful, can distract us from God. This book tells the story that God loves you and loves to be with you and that he likes you. And so it starts with Adam in the garden. And we know, I'm sure most of us know this, that that's where it starts. A guy called Adam that God formed, and, and Adam goes, who am I? And God says, you're Adam. And Adam goes, what's all of this? And God says, I made it for you. It's all of this exists for you. Even the, even the planets and the cosmoses and everything that, that one day people will begin to see, that Adam, you can't see right now, but people will invent things by some of this stuff and you'll begin to look back in time, you'll see these distant galaxies and stars. And God says, I made it for you. I mean, imagine that in the cool of the day, Adam walking with God. Just walking and talking and enjoying life together. Enjoying just being. Adam was, just remember this moment, the point of Adam being naked is precisely that. He was naked. There was nothing that he was hiding from God. His eyes were not on himself. No shame, no embarrassment, no awkwardness, just enjoying God. 
Nakedness in Genesis is the point. Walking in the garden. And God says, nothing can get to you here. Everything you need is in this place. I, I sometimes think of those moments and I just imagine it in my head and I, I find myself getting jealous of Adam in those moments. Thinking, what would it have been like? What? I wish I was there. I wonder how Adam felt to walk and talk with the Creator. And then I come back to my senses and go, but that's exactly what this God is telling you. I want to walk and talk with you. And you can know my voice. And you can actually talk to me and hear me. And that's what we are made for. And throughout this story is countless stories of men and women who encountered God and wanted to know him just like that. Abraham was called a friend of God. Hey, you, by the way, are called a friend of God. It's not just that Abraham was a friend of God. You, this morning, if you are in Christ, are called a friend of God. And if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, he wants to be your friend. It's that simple. We just heard it a moment ago when Sharon was sharing about Moses. And Moses went up a mountain. God pointed out to say, look, boy, there's the land I'm giving to you. But you guys, are, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm not going with you because I am pretty mad with you and everyone here. And I'm probably going to kill you and wipe you all out. So you just go, I'll give it to you. And it forces Moses, as we heard, to say, God, but unless your presence stuff the land, your presence. Joshua, when the Israelites were in the desert and Joshua and Moses used to go to the tent of meeting where they would encounter God and inquire of him. And we're told that one time Moses left the tent after they had done what they needed to do. But Joshua stayed. He remained. He lingered in God's presence. Just to be in his presence. And King David said this, I'm in a dry and thirsty land and I, I long for water. My body is longing for water, yet my soul, it thirsts for you. I'm dehydrated, but God, I want you. I just want to dwell in your house. I just want to be near you. And then into the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said it like this, to live is Christ, but to die is flipping awesome. Your presence. One moment here, telling people, living life in such a way that Jesus is magnified, but the next, very next moment, through the shadow of death, into the presence of Jesus, instantaneously. And therefore, the Bible is this story of obsession of God's obsession about you, that even before the foundation of the world, he obsessed over you. And he's called you by name because he loves you. And he sent his son to come and redeem you and rescue you so that you can enjoy him. And sometimes I think we just need to, we need to ask God to come and awaken that within us afresh because we so often move on from that and we say the right things and we do the right things. But Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, you can absolutely do the right thing. It looks right. You can say the right thing. It sounds right. But do you know him? Not do you know enough theology. Not do you rock up enough on Sundays. Do you know him? And boy, as we dig into God's word and we understand him, we get to know him. And as we gather together, we encourage one another. Hey, know him. Enjoy him. But do you know him? The primary call of every disciple is to love God and to walk with him. Bill Johnson said this, royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. Intimacy with God is my life source. And somehow, and I mean this particularly in the Western church, somehow, and absolutely here also, my fear is that we have somehow, as people encounter Jesus, then fail to say to people that that is the point. You encounter him and you go on encountering him. And there's something about the way we do stuff and the way we think and the way we train ourselves and the things that are important on our radar that, that causes us to go, well, I, I did love him, but now it seems to be about something else. You see, those giving forms are not to make this thing function. And if they ever are that, then God help us. Sure, this kind of thing takes finance. But that is not why we have giving forms. We have giving forms because we say, God, I, I know you. And I know you love a generous, cheerful giver. And I want to grow in that because you are a generous and cheerful God. I just want to grow in learning to reflect you back to you and you back to the world. And we've become consumers. Or as Reinhard Bonnke says it, the less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. What a great quote. The less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee. So my prayer for you and for myself is really simply this, that we would love God. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Love him. Love him. Worship and adore him. And don't think it's religious people who are worshippers. God has made us that we are worshippers of something. And he's invited you, hey, why don't you get the best? I'll give you myself and you can be a worshipper of me. And in me you get life eternal. You get everything when you get God. Hate sin. Learn to find it repulsive. If you're battling areas of sin, the way you hate it is by spending time in the holy presence of Jesus. And you can't love God and love sin. You, you love the one and hate the other. We're told that. Know his voice. I mean, I don't just mean know his voice, know the things he says, but learn to recognize his voice. That those moments when you're just, just a thought jumps into your head and you find yourself thinking about something or, or thankful, act on it. Or the, or the moment when you're just suddenly you're walking along not thinking of somebody and you suddenly are thinking of this person for no reason where the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to phone them, I want you to bless them, I want you to pray for them right now that we would know his voice and act on his voice. That we didn't know his voice about how he feels about you. 
You're my son. You're my daughter. And sometimes I've heard this said, because of my earthly father or my earthly mother, I cannot receive him as a good father. I'm afraid you have to. I'm afraid you have to. But the good news is he is nothing like an earthly father. He's a giver of good gifts. There's no shadow of turning in him. Not happy one moment, angry the next moment. But in him is light and life and goodness and joy and peace and hope and laughter eternal. And my prayer for me and for you is that we would be bold on those things, not worrying about what other people think. And I think this is a key to God unleashing intimacy in us is that at points you say, just as Cass said right at the beginning when King David said, for you, God, I'll be undignified. To the point that my wife or my husband or my friend or the person I'm sat next to every week in, week out, who I've never actually asked them their name, one day says, what on earth has happened to you? I've encountered that God loves me and he likes me and he's fueled fresh desire and passion to be in his presence. And you know, Satan will do all he can, all he can to distract you from intimacy with God. Hey, those good things you're doing, those things you're passionate about of of seeing transformation, give yourselves to those. Make sure you're busy. They're really, really good things. And he'll keep you in every which way from pursuing intimacy with God. And so the psalmist in Psalm 73 says this, and Ben, I think it expresses exactly what you were saying. It says, truly God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps nearly slipped. I was one who told and delighted in the goodness of God, but then I found myself not having a great week, not being in a great place with with God. And boy, we hide in those moments because we feel our nakedness, don't we? But the psalmist is expressing it here. He said, For I was envious of the arrogant man, When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. We can find ourselves in that very position. Say, God, you're good and holy, but suddenly I've become distracted. Suddenly I look at others and I'm jealous of what they have. People who don't know you seem to have it sorted and life together and sure not always, but so often it seems to go well for them. And I found myself becoming jealous of that. That's what the psalmist is saying. But he goes on to say this, Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease they increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. He goes on to say, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Guys, let's, let's not pretend that that isn't us towards God sometimes. 
We are going from one degree of glory to another. And one day we will be fully like him when we see him face to face. And there will be no more moments of brutishness, attitude towards God. But listen to the psalmist. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Even in those moments, even in those moments where my heart or my eyes wander, you hold my hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Can I invite you to stand? We're going to just finish by sharing communion and and Jack and the band just singing over us. Please don't sing. Phil, if you could just keep the words off the screen. Let's just receive this is a heart song to God and of God's affirmation and love over us. But we welcome you, God. And we say, would you awaken in us intimacy? That our desire would be just to be with you. In the run of life, in our better moments and our not so good moments, we, we thank you that you just want to be with us. And so we we welcome you, Spirit, and say, even in these moments, come awaken us. Come breathe on our hearts. Come breathe on our lukewarmness, our indifference, our our self-reliance. Come breathe on us and, and awaken us to your glory and your majesty this morning. I want to pray that we would walk out this morning through those doors, different men and women. Not saying, well, I better had to then, but that I get to. And I want to, and I can, and you've made a way, and you you bid me, and you invite me, come. So we welcome you. And Jesus, we thank you that this new and living way is because of your body broken for us. It's because of your blood given for us that tells of this new covenant relationship with God. And we share in this simple meal together, reminding ourselves that God loves you. So much. He gave his son even to death on a cross that he might become your righteousness, not the things you do.